It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a man whose career, well, like we were just joking about off the air, cannot be condensed into a 15-minute podcast, but we're going to try our darndest. His five NCAA titles, combined with 12 Final Fours, 12 ACC regular season titles, 14 ACC tournament titles, three Olympic gold medals, all lead up to that 2001 night in Springfield when he was enshrined into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Of course, he is not done yet. He, he is the inimitable Coach Coach K, Mike Zhezhevsky. Thanks so much for joining us today, Coach. Yeah, my pleasure, and always uh, good to do something for the Hall of Fame, which does so much for uh, for basketball globally, uh, which is a, a great thing. It really is, and I think uh, we'll get into some of the some of the players that 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 you've guided and, and what that means globally as well in a minute. I want to just start by asking about that that rundown of your career. At, at what point? I mean, you've been doing this now for I mean, as as long as your players, your current players, have been alive, and then some. At what point does <laughs> at what point does hearing that resume? Uh, is there ever a moment where even Mike Shashevsky is like? It, is is humbled by those things, or is there just so much left to do? Well, I try not to have a rearview mirror in what I'm doing, and uh, if you did, I think you would relax because I've been so very fortunate to be the very first thing at two great schools, West Point and and Duke, uh, which affords me the opportunity of getting great kids and and having an amazing environment but also having been the U.S. coach for 11 years. I, I've, I've been a lucky guy, and I want to make sure that I'm not looking at what we've done, but rather preparing for what we're going to do. So it takes a little bit of discipline to do that, but every once in a while when you look back, you say, man, that's crazy. How, how could that have happened? And it happens because you have great school, great people, and a great family to keep you balanced. Coach, your roots are so well documented, obviously from Chicago to Army, from West Point to Indiana, back to Army, and then, of course, Duke. And, and many of those early stops um, obviously included the tutelage of, of Coach Bob Knight. Uh, what's the one mm-hmm. aspect of Coach Knight that you wish people would talk more about? Well, just how good a coach he was and and is. And if he was coaching today, he'd still be a really good coach. He, his preparation and his passion to win – uh, coupled to produce amazing results. And uh, uh, I'm not sure anybody prepared f- for a game or, or a season or a practice any better than he did. And uh, being his point guard when I played at Army, I learned the game at a really high level. I also learned how competitive someone could, could be because he, you know, he's a big-time competitor. We're talking with Coach K here on the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends of the Game podcast. S- similarly, Coach, uh, it, was there, when you think back to young Coach K, was was there one piece of Coach Knight that you tried to take with you when you got that first head coaching job um, at Army? Uh, just the preparation and the hard work that goes into it. I, yeah, Being around Coach Knight, I met a, a number of other great coaches, uh, Mr. Iba being one and Pete Newell, Coach Newell, another, and the advice I got from them was, you know, learn from everybody, but be yourself. And uh, 
I think that was, I tell coaches that all the time, the guys who work for me, don't try to be somebody, but learn from a, a bunch of somebodies and, uh, and then be, be you. And so that's what I tried to do, but certainly the knowledge that I was able to obtain uh, playing for Coach Knight and watching him as a graduate assistant for one year uh, helped me get a great foundation upon which to build. And it's 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 amazing when you look back at, uh, and I it isn't a mistake now when you look back and, and sort of trace it. Obviously, with with your career, we know now that those early days with Coach Knight at Indiana during that magical season. I mean, that seventy four seventy five season at Indiana was magical and fun, and and with the exception of the one snarl at the end. Goodness, I mean, it really is one of college basketball's great seasons. So before you left to take over Army after that season, were there any discussions between you and, and Coach Knight about whether or not you were ready to take over? Or was this just sort of the natural progression for for, for, Mike, for Mike Krzyzewski? Yeah, not really. You know, I mean, uh, I think it's important for a coach to help the assistants or the players that he's, he's had. But, you know, more than coaches that have had an influence uh i think over the 42 years that i've done this the the people i've learned the most from are from the players i've coached because uh they give you uh, they give you themselves they trust in you and then they bring talents that uh that you can actually develop and and use and uh, I've learned so much from the players I've coached and especially the last 11 years in coaching the U.S. team and seeing professionals do this at the highest level. So you know, the main thing I, I've tried to do my whole career is be a lifelong learner of the game. And uh, you do that not from one source. You do it from uh, a lot of different sources and as long as you're open to ideas and new ways of doing things. So let's talk about some of those players, if you don't mind. Since 1980, uh, your teams have had just unfathomable success. I mean, the depths of that success at Duke are, uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll say some names. It's Dawkins, Ferry, Leitner, Battier, Brand, Williams, Reddick, Hill, Okafor, Parker. And I could go on. I could spend the next 12 minutes just naming off a who's who. Um, and so all of those elite talents must have just jumped off the page right away at you. Was there ever a guy, though, whose development into a star or into a leader um, surprised you in a way? And, and I wonder what the qualities were that he hid before he jumped off the page in a surprising way. Yeah, well, there wasn't just one because you don't coach at Duke for 37 years having one guy like that. Mm -hmm. and you, you need a number of guys like that, but you also need to have them mesh, you know, uh, I'll take one in Battier. You know, Shane was a four-year player and uh, a starter for four years. Three-time all-defensive, you know, national defensive player of the year, and then won every award his senior year. And uh, he was the consummate player and student here. You know, he, he, he ate Duke up. You know, he wanted to be a part of Duke, and he wanted to be uh, part of Duke basketball and uh, was not only a great player, but a great leader. But uh, you, you take so many things, like the, the grace of a Grand Hill, the, the competitiveness, and the, and the absolute uh, all-out play of Bobby Hurley, you know, 
Waitner, who led us in his own in his own way. Wojciechowski, who was not even a starter, and then all of a sudden, his by the last year, uh, last two years, became that starter and and led us. The Reddicks and uh, you know all these all these guys. I mean it. Uh, and what I try to do is make sure that I don't overcoach them, uh, that I allow them uh, enough freedom to be themselves because themselves is really good. And those guys, and they just talk mostly about Shane, were able to infect us with their personalities and, and their values uh, along with the foundation that our program had. And I think that's the combination that you need to have. And it's a little bit different, more difficult now because guys go earlier. They go after one or two years. And, uh, and so trying to keep that alive in that condensed amount of time has been a, a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, which sort of leads me to my next question, Coach, is because of the shorter amount of time that you get guys, do you think we're ever going to see – I mean everything corrects itself, right? There's regression. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, we know history is cyclical. Uh, will we ever see a, a Battier again, a, a guy who is willing to commit – and I know this is sort of reading tea leaves and this is an inexact science, but are you hopeful that someday the Battier will return? Well, I think there are those kids around the country who weren't as heavily recruited and uh, became four-year guys. The guys who are in that top 10, top 15 from high school, most of them have visions of not being in school that long. But uh, uh, there are examples of kids now. It, it, you know, Villanova's uh, you know, had that's how they won their national championship uh, two years ago. And uh, you know, you the four-year player who develops like that uh, is tough to beat if they have all those all those qualities. And and uh, but for us, it's. You know, we're hoping that a Grayson Allen can do that because he'll be a four-year player. But uh, the chance of it is less than it was then. And uh, also the teams are a little bit less. It's more even across the board because of not having the older great players. You know, Grant Hill is a senior. You're not going to see seniors like that <laughs> because they would have already been uh, – they would have already gone to the pros. I have two more questions for Coach Mike Shashevsky here on the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends of the Game podcast. You know, part of when I went through just the thumbnail of the, inc- the the incredible career at the beginning was the ACC titles, the tournament titles as well. And part of that is mm-hmm. that we used to both, well, I'm sure you still can, of course, but across the country, basketball nerds like me used to be able to recite the names of all the teams in the ACC, the Big East, the Big 12, the Pac-10, <laughs> which is now the Pac-12. How much can you assess sort of the way that the college basketball landscape has been affected in the last 10 years with the reshuffling of, of the conferences and, and the way that that's maybe affected the way that you are recruiting? Well, I don't know if it affects the way we've recruited as much as it, it's affected the uh, uh, really the equal competitiveness for a regular season title. You know, you have a if you have if you don't have a double round robin in your conference, which 
I think only the Big 12 and the Big East have, you know, from the power, you know, from the high-level conferences, then you, it's difficult to determine a, a true regular season champion. Uh, and say, and the tournament is always, you, you may not play the team that, you know, in your, in your conference tournament that, that went, you know, that would beat you. Uh, so, uh, the rivalries have changed, you know, just like from us, from when Maryland left our conference to go to the big 10, like the rivalries that Maryland had with a number of schools, including us, you, you, you just can't instantly make those rivalries <laughs> and uh so connecticut not being in the big east that seems crazy for that not not to be not to be the case so there's an adjustment time going on right now which look that's just the way the world is and i don't think it's about basketball i think it's more about football and but the game has been uh impacted in that way and uh Overall, I don't think it's great for our game. I wish it would be like it used to be, but you know we have to adjust with the times. Sure thing. And as as a uh, in 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 my other career as a professor at Springfield College, I think you would probably agree with me that the world should revolve around basketball. Anyways, <laughs> well, it should, you know, and uh, uh, it's still the best game, and it's the game. You know, look, there are 110, 111 Division One football programs there are 351 or two division one men's basketball programs and and so as far as the you know the whole country being involved with one sport it's basketball and that's why you have a march madness and the you know uh work you know nobody no sport does that there's no professional sport and there's no uh collegiate sport that uh, gets the whole country enamored with it, especially for a four-week period uh, like uh, men's college basketball. Finally, Coach, and again, I really appreciate your time this morning. Can you just share with us a little bit um, about what it what it means to to get a call from the Hall of Fame to be asked to to, to do some work for the Hall of Fame at this stage in your life? Well, the Hall of Fame, and I, I really want to thank all the, you know, the people there, the team that keeps it going, but especially Jerry Colangelo, who has really dedicated his life to the game. And, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame is a celebration of our game. It's the game that we as coaches, players, administrators, we love this game. This has been our life. And uh, it's, it's celebrated in such a magnificent way up in Springfield. And it continues to be celebrated in, in ways that I could not have imagined even a decade ago. And so to do anything for the hall of fame is, is a call to service that you, you know, you, you really jumped to. And, uh, I think every coach and player would, would say the same thing. He's Mike Krzyzewski. I'm Kyle Belanger. Thanks so much, Coach, for spending this time with us. Yeah, my pleasure, Kyle.